I know I need some structure. I know systems are going to help me get where I need to go. This is going to be part of how I grow this vision beyond me, but it does not need to look the way I've been told it needs to look. And I have some space there. So that's really the goal. Burnout is such a prevalent conversation. You're right. As CEOs and founders, we all pour in and we work those 12, 14, 16 hour days. We work over Mm -hmm. the weekend because we're passionate about what we're doing. We believe in what we're creating. We want it to be successful, but at what cost to our own personal health, the cost Mm -hmm. to our, our personal relationships. Welcome everyone to today's podcast of Scaling with People. I have Ashley Berghoff here with me today. She's the founder of A Squared Online, which designs custom systems and recruits fractional operations managers for maxed out entrepreneurs. Her clients use the time they save to grow their companies, pursue long deferred dreams, and enjoy unplugged vacations. Oh, Unplugged Vacations. That sounds amazing, Ashley. (laughs) Uh, Ashley is the author of Eureka Results, How Entrepreneurs Can Turn Their Best Ideas into Reality, which was published in 21 by New Degree Press. You can find it online at www.asquaredonline.com. Welcome, Ashley. So excited to have you here today. I am really looking forward to our conversation. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah, absolutely. So you, uh, that was a big intro. Uh, Maybe you want to give a little bit more insight into what A Squared is all about. Yeah. Yeah. So we are in a lot of ways, the yin to the yang of, of most entrepreneurs, right? So I love systems. I love building operational structure into businesses. I love kind of being behind the scenes and, and giving, giving companies kind of those connecting points to be really strong and stable from within. Um, So we love supporting entrepreneurs who have kind of built an expertise business around who they are and what they can do and are now wanting to make the transition to scaling beyond themselves, right? Building assets into their business, being able to step away while the business continues to run, being able to get things off of their plate that they don't love doing um, or aren't in their zone of genius. And so we're able to, in a lot of ways, come alongside entrepreneurs who do not have time to figure out how to make that transition and extract all of their expertise from their brain and install it into their business, put it in their systems and put it in an operations manager who can run things for them. When, when is the best time that an entrepreneur should start thinking about their operational infrastructure, like your systems, like their systems and teams, and maybe bringing someone like you on? Yeah. Yeah. So it's because I'm a systems person, (laughs) I will answer my question from that perspective. So From a deep level, I believe systems are how we do what we do and they decide what happens, right? So from the very beginning of starting a business, when you're in that startup space, you're iterating on what your business model is going to be, who are your clients, how are you going to serve them, all of those things. Um, You still want to think in terms of, you know, what are the systems that are going to hold this together? Is this something that if I were to scale it is going to become the kind of business I would actually want to be running, right? Those sorts of things. But really... For most entrepreneurs, you can kind of be a little fluid in that early phase. You want to be able to be really, really nimble, change things really quickly, try something, get out there, make a mess, you know, just throw some stuff at the wall, see what sticks, right? You need to be really, really fluid. So often when most people start really thinking about their operational infrastructure is once they've gone through that phase, they're very clear on what their business model is, where they want to take this, they're ready to scale it. And now they're trying to figure out how 
Um, in a lot of ways, there's there's a big difference between selling a business where you're selling yourself and your expertise and your knowledge, and then building actually a business that can outlast you, that can run without you. And so when that point happens of needing to make that transition is when it can be really helpful to get outside help when it comes to building that infrastructure out. That's a great distinguisher of, of you're building your business about you, yourself, your, your profile versus now you're taking it at that next level and really wanting to build a business with its own, its own profile, its own entity. Right. Right. What do you, what do you think are the consequences for entrepreneurs who wait too long to build out their operational structures? Yeah, it can become a bit of a, a scary point for a lot of entrepreneurs because they end up underwater and losing opportunities that they were really excited about. And so for a lot of people, when they, they come to me, they're at a spot where they have realized I am turning clients away. I had an incredible opportunity that I missed because I didn't get that email responded to on time because I cannot keep up, right? There are usually these moments where if you if you wait a little bit too long, then you get so far underwater that you can't even see the big picture. You can't even think straight. You can't pause at all to, to think about the structure of your business because you're just trying to survive. You're just trying to keep keep you know that one next piece of track in front of the engine as it's as it's barreling forward, right? Um, and the danger of that can be genuine burnout and starting to lose your passion for your business, right? Um, you know, I think most of us as entrepreneurs are willing to pour a lot and invest a lot of our time and our energy and, and all of those things, but we're still finite and so we can run out. And so that can be a real risk of waiting a little bit too long. And, you know, in the worst case scenario, the business can implode. You might find that, you know, you're struggling to keep your deadlines, you're struggling to keep your clients happy and that can hurt your reputation in the long, long run. Yeah. And I think with the whole COVID situation, burnout is such a prevalent conversation and you're right as CEOs and founders, we all just pour in and we work those 12, 14, 16 hour days. We work over Mm -hmm. the weekend because we're passionate about what we're doing. We believe in what we're creating. We want it to be successful, but at what cost to our own personal health, the cost to our, our personal relationships. And so I think that's one of the things I love about what you're offering and wanting to get this out to the startup world is you're giving a place for these founders to have a, a, a moment to be able to breathe mm-hmm. and to sleep, <laughs> right? And to be able to know that they can, it's okay to turn off because they have a partner with you and, and, and the people that you bring on board. So I think we kind of maybe talked a little bit about it right then and there, but any additional information on why CEOs get themselves into trouble by not bringing on a CEO level support into their business earlier on? Yeah. Yeah. I think this can be the case with, you know, any skill set and experience set for an entrepreneur, right? We all kind of bring probably the one thing that we are absolutely genius at into our business and a number of things we're fine at, and then some things that we're truly rubbish at, right? And the and uh, <laughs> our business is going to require all of those things at some level, right? And a lot of times when we start, it's us. And so whether it's, you know, not bringing in COO level support, if that's, you know, if an entrepreneur is not thinking that way or not bringing HR support, you know, whatever it looks like, um, there can just be 
this point where, you know, the way you've structured your business is around kind of your own way of thinking and working and operating. Um, and it can make it really hard then later to try to fit that in, right. To add the, add the bones once the creature's already gotten kind of big. Right. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, a lot of the, a lot of entrepreneurs are visionaries, big picture thinkers, idea people, et cetera. Um, and it takes a lot of self-awareness to kind of come in and say, you know what, you put me in front of some prospects, you put me in front of an audience, I am going to be so compelling. I'm going to set the vision. I'm going to get them really excited about working with me. But this side over here is not for me. This is not my strength, but I recognize the value of it. And so I'm going to bring that in. So when you when you wait too long, you start kind of noticing the liabilities of your own strengths and weaknesses on your business in a, in a deeper way. And it can be harder to fix the longer you go. Do you think um, from your experience, the CEOs and uh, founders that you've been working with is part of that transition, the hardest thing for them is like getting to a point where they feel confident that their vision and what they want for the org is actually going to transpire within another human being without the CEO being so involved. So bringing on Mm -hmm. that, like your partner, right? The CEO partner they have to be able to communicate in the same way, see your vision, live it, right? And is that where a lot of CEOs and founders kind of get trapped in their own maybe mindset of no one else can think the way I do? Like, how do you work with CEOs like that? Yeah, it is a very, very common fear, right? And I think we've all felt it to various degrees. You know, no one could care about this business as much as I do. This is my baby. You know, no one... Uh, could be as invested as I am. Uh, how could I possibly, you know, get someone who's going to be able to live up to my standard for this because of the, you know, the amount that I've put into it? And so then it feels like, well, the only solution would be to clone myself. If there was another me walking around, we'd be good, but there's not, and so we're screwed, right? <laughs> um, and it it's a really helpful reframe to kind of recognize that, you know, there are people out there who, well, and I would say most everyone who cares every bit as much about their own goals, their own strengths, as you care about your own goals and your own strengths, right? And so if you're able to align your vision for this business with their vision for themselves, and they see their vision coming to life through that business, all of a sudden they will be just as invested in the success of that company as you are, because they care just as much about their own goals as you care about your own goals. And so it can be a really helpful reframe to realize, okay, everything that's in my head, I do not have to transplant that wholesale into someone else's head, but there can be pieces of this and a shared vision that I can hand to someone else that I can trust them to own, that I can have the skills to know this is the standard that I need you to reach. I know I'm communicating that well. I know we have a shared commitment here. And it makes it a lot quicker to identify if someone's not a good fit and find someone else rather than trying to make it work for a really long time because maybe you didn't communicate clearly enough or maybe you just need to try a bunch of things and then you build up resentment over a long time and take too long to fire them. And then you never want to go through that again because it was awful, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, it can be really helpful to, yeah, start realizing like, okay, I do not have to clone myself. 
I can, you know, I can bring in someone to take this piece and pretty quickly they might start be do, doing that piece better than I could do it myself. What, um, when you're talking about like this number two, we're talking a lot around the COO. Do you mm-hmm. find that that is the right number two? Or do you find when you start working with some of your clients that they may need a CFO or a CRO, CCO? I mean, there's so many different types of chiefs, but why right. operations first from your perspective? And is it always mm-hmm. that case? Or are there scenarios where maybe a different department Number two is the right approach. Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think it depends very much on the zone of genius of the founder. So for instance, I'm a systems person. My systems in my business have too much attention on them because if I'm going to procrastinate, I'm going to go systematize something, right? That's where I naturally go to. That's what I love. That's where I feel really strong. And so my business can tend towards the overlay structured, right? Where I'm not as strong is on the marketing and the sales and the revenue growth side. So for me, I'm in the process of bringing in someone to help me there, right? I don't need necessarily a CEO, though I do have someone in a very strong operations role in the business, and that's um, a lifesaver for me. Mm-hmm. But I I don't have to shore up that side as much versus many entrepreneurs who are like, I can sell all day long, like put me in front of people. I love talking. I love talking about what I'm doing. I'm so passionate about it. I am bringing in clients left and right. And I'm having to turn them away because I can't deliver at this level. You know, I'm running out of space for them. That operations side makes a lot of sense to give to someone else. Um, And so, yeah, it very much depends on where people are. I think, you know, the HR space is a great next one. You kind of get to that spot where you've reached capacity, you've started to build some structures and systems in, you have someone in a role where they're helping operationalize the business. Now your team's going to be able to start growing some more, right, into other roles within the organization. Now HR support makes a lot of sense. Um, Somewhere in there, you might start realizing, you know what, we need a deeper look at what's going on on the finance side, right? We're bringing in more, more revenue. Our capacity has just expanded. Maybe we can double in the next year or two, I really want to make sure that this is making sense. And you bring in the finance side. Um, and what's really fun about starting to think about things in, in terms of, of fractional services is then you can find someone who's the best at the best at the exact tailored thing you need them to be the best at. And then they can own that. And, you know, I think a lot of people feel like they can't afford more senior support, but I've started to believe more and more that those of us in these smaller business cannot afford junior support. We don't have the time, the resources, the space, the infrastructure for someone who needs to learn this over the next five years, right? We don't have that kind of time. Right. And I think that's such an interesting statement because I feel like the fractional world, the fractional space has just started to really bloom. I think Mm -hmm. it's been around for quite some time, but COVID and the things that have happened during and after COVID have really highlighted that yeah, there are people out there that do this, that like myself, that have, you know, two plus decades of experience and, you know, are here to support a company, whether that's 10 hours a month, 10 hours a week, Mm. you know, in a fractional or interim capacity, it's definitely a blossoming industry for sure. And in all levels, I know finance, Mm. marketing, sales, um, operations, HR, of course, like pretty much any C-suite person that you can fill a role, there's definitely fractionals out there, which Mm -hmm. I think is is definitely 
so great for these startups because you, you have finite resources, right? You want to have someone that knows what they're doing. They can come in and in 10 hours be able to give you so much more than someone who might be working full-time that's only done two, three, four, five years of experience. And, right. you know, you think you're saving money, but at the end of the day, you've actually cost yourself more because something that's been put in by a five-year, 10-year person versus a 20-year, 10-year person, is, there's just a difference for sure. Right. Absolutely. And it's kind of talking about that when, uh, when CEOs or founders start to reach their capacity and they know they need help. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do they go about thinking about the, the big space of fractionals, but you know, even VAs, virtual assistants and mm-hmm. operational support pro, uh, pros like who you offer and work with? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that's really interesting to me is I see this all over blogs and, and even advice that people are getting from coaches. Like when someone comes to a space, a Q&A call and says, hey, I'm out of time. I don't have time to get stuff done. A lot of times the advice they'll get is go hire a VA right? And sometimes that works great. A lot of times it does not. And what a helpful way to think about it is a virtual assistant's going to come into your business and say, tell me how I can help you. I'm going to be here as a resource. Give me packaged projects. I will do those things, right? A lot of entrepreneurs do not have a clear eye on their systems. They do not have a lot of recurring projects that are happening the same way every week, every month. Um, and they don't have time to manage somebody into that level. Right. And so if someone's at that spot where it's like, I know I need help. I'm not exactly sure on what everything's in my head. Someone's going to have to pull it out of there or pull stuff off my plate. They do not need a virtual assistant. It's not going to work. You're kind of setting both of yourself up for failure. What you need is whatever you call it, operations manager, project manager, chief of staff, someone who can help make decisions alongside you, someone who can help design the work, can pull things out of your head, can pull things off of your plate, who can kind of say, I'm coming in here, just brain dump on me. I will turn that into something, right? I will take all of that that you have thrown out of your brain and turn it into a project that I can execute on, right? Um, So the way we help our clients is kind of, we do that translation work um, and kind of even go beyond in terms of how are you building your systems and your structure? And then we can take that and pass that on to an operations manager who can really own it, right? Um, and then they are the leader of the systems that they own. And there's just such a level of trust that you can truly let go of those things because you know, you know, not only am, you know, like there's a there's a fear with with virtual assistants where it might be like, if I let go, it might you know, if I drop the ball, it might hit the ground, right? I don't know if they're going to be there to catch it. I'm not even sure if the things I've handed them, they won't drop, right? Versus with an operations manager, it's like, I'm dropping the ball sometimes and they're catching the balls I drop. I don't have to worry about catching the balls that they drop, right? So that's that's what a lot of entrepreneurs need as they're growing their businesses um, when they think that what they need is a virtual assistant. I appreciate that distinction because I have actually personally been looking at a VA and your clarification mm. of, you know, projects and direction. And that's why I haven't pulled the trigger is because I, I, that's exactly mm. what I feel like. Well, I have one project, but then like beyond that, what could they help mm. me with and versus more mm. of an operational who comes in as a business partner to you and, mm. and may even highlight 
things that you aren't thinking about that need to be done. Uh, right. Those balls, like you were saying that I'm dropping, not the mm. other way around. Right. And talking mm. about systems, you know, obviously businesses need systems and tools and processes, mm. policies, procedures, but are the, there are different types of systems available beyond rigid policies and procedure manuals that we, many of us have encountered in our corporate spaces. Yeah. Yeah. So I think most of us, when we think about systems, we think about big old manuals with really detailed convoluted, you know, process maps and swim lanes and no one can understand what it means and, you know, detailed policy manuals and those sorts of things. Right. And one of the things I've thought a lot about is how, you know, I believe systems are important in every facet of life in every stage of business, but how those take shape is very, very different from one to the next. So if someone in the startup phase is spending a lot of time creating really detailed step-by-step policies and procedures, and then changing all of those things every three months, because they're still in an experimental phase, so much time is wasted (laughs) in that process, right? And so, you know, the earlier you are in the business, the more nimble you need those systems to be. They still need to be there. They just need to be really easy to set up, really easy to update, really easy to adapt, right? And so, um, The way I like to think about it is when you are in this stage of first building the operational infrastructure in your business, your goal should be um, things that you can create in 30 minutes, right? Really, really quick. Here's the overview of my entire process. Boom, boom, boom. Here's all the puzzle pieces, right? I'm just going to record myself doing some stuff and hand that over to my ops person or to my VA to turn into slightly more beefed up documentation, but still not really detailed processes, right? You just need just need some some containers around. Here's the outcome we're going for. Here's the success metrics. Here's a few of the main puzzle pieces. This is enough. This will take us five minutes to update. We're good, right? Um, so I think it can be really helpful to to think about like, okay, when I'm in the experimental phase, I might just need to focus on my systems for project and time management and focus, right? When I'm in more of a kind of initial structuring phase, I might need really just high level process overviews and SOPs. And then when my team starts to be multiple people doing the same role, now we're pretty locked in. We're doing planning at an annual basis instead of, you know, what am I doing for the next two weeks? When you're kind of more of a mature, larger organization, then you can start saying, okay, we need a policy these 10 people are going to follow, right? Because now we're we're dealing with things at a much bigger level. Um, and you can get some of that more detailed structured system documentation that we tend to think of coming out of large spaces that need that. I appreciate that. So, you know, just kind of thinking about the listeners for anyone that if this is resonating with them, like they're thinking about, mm, maybe it's time for me to start thinking about bringing in operations, bringing in additional support, but I'm nervous about it. Maybe I'm not mm-hmm. sure if I'm ready or not. What's a good first step for someone that this is resonating with and something they can take and start doing right now? Yeah, yeah. So I have a brand new email mini series I'm really excited about. Um, It's really just built to help you kind of free up your capacity to scale your business three minutes a day for 10 days, really short, quick, practical emails. And the goal of each email is to directly address and reframe some of the main obstacles towards kind of getting this amazing transition in a way that feels seamless. Right. And so we talk about, well, what do I do if I'm not organized enough to bring in someone (laughs) in an operational role? What if I don't know if there's going to be a revenue like ROI from this? 
Um, what if I'm worried that I'm going to be a really bad client because I don't even know what I need and I'm not great at communicating and I'm a big picture thinker and I've driven some operations people crazy in the past, you know, <laughs> what about that? Um, so we just kind of address, you know, how to take everything we're talking about today and implement it in your business in a really tangible way that meets you where you are so that you can think about what this looks like for you. Because I think another challenge is so many people have read about systems and read all the time management books, and those are created by and for people like me, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, We just think a certain way and we get excited about this stuff and we can get really in the weeds and we're building all these folders. And so there's just so much room for a lot more flexibility around this. So say, I know I need some structure. I know systems are going to help me get where I need to go. This is going to be part of how I grow this vision beyond me, but it does not need to look the way I've been told it needs to look. And I have some space there. So that's really the goal. I love it. And we'll make sure that we get the link to your email for anyone that wants to sign up for it and uh, get that information. It's a free resource, correct? It is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not going to be hounding people afterwards, but it's a great, great resource. Uh, Anything that you can do, even just baby steps to just help, uh, you know, move the needle, right? There's so much on founders plates, CEOs plates, entrepreneurs who are got a bazillion things going on that, you know, you said what, not even 10 minutes a week that they could help just Mm -hmm. move the needle a little bit more. I think that is so such a great offering is there any other, uh, anything else that you want to tackle or discuss or share with uh, our CEOs and founders on the call today? Yeah. I mean, I think the the biggest thing I would want to leave everyone with is the idea of you are not alone. If when you think about systems and operations, your eyes glaze over a little bit, or it's a little intimidating, you are not at all alone. I talked to a lot of people who are like, I thought I was the only one <laughs> who feels this disorganized or whatever, you know, um, this is a big part of being an entrepreneur. It's a big area that a lot of people feel a lot of shame around. And so um, just know that, you know, there are a lot of people in there with you and we're all, we're all on this journey together. Well, thank you, Ashley. I really appreciate you joining us today. And hopefully the listeners are able to take away a nugget and start working on um, helping themselves be able to scale with people, with operations, with tools and systems. Thanks so much for joining everyone. Have a great day.